0: Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisTours.com, where you can receive a discount off your next purchase of professional tennis event tickets by using the promotional code ESSENTIAL. Well, thank you very much for joining me today for episode number 130 of the podcast. I have a very special guest today on the podcast, and we're going to be discussing all doubles topics I have a special announcement to make on the show today as well. You'll have to wait and see what that is. But let's go ahead and get to the interview, sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. My guest today on the podcast is ATP touring professional Ashley Fisher. He's actually currently coaching and is up in Canada getting ready for a tournament there with his doubles team. Ashley, just to give you guys a little bit of background, has had a career high ranking in the ATP doubles tour of number 19. He's played in the main draw of all four Grand Slam tournaments, and he's got a best result at the Grand Slams of making it to the semifinals in the U.S. Open. Ashley, thank you very much for spending some time with me and uh, to answer some questions from my listeners. You're welcome, man. Good evening well um, let's let's start things off by by telling myself and my listeners a little bit more about yourself. I just gave a, a kind of a really brief uh, overview of what you've done so far, but you're a double specialist you're you're from Australia. T- tell us a little bit more about your background as a player.
1: Well, I grew up playing junior tennis in Australia until I was eighteen years of age, at which point I moved over to the u s on a tennis scholarship. I played four years collegiate tennis at Texas Christian University, uh, which was a great experience for me. Uh, In all honesty, my game wasn't ready for the tour. I would have been eaten up and spat out very quickly. So it was an excellent opportunity to study and hone my skills. Uh, Turned pro in about 1998 after I graduated, and it was pretty evident to me early on that doubles was going to be uh, my forte, and I progressed through the rankings a lot faster in doubles and singles um, and you know just early sort of 2000 sort of broke into the top hundred and was able to play an ATP World Tour events and I've been doing it ever since. I, unfortunately I've had some injury issues the last two years. I had four scopes to an, each knee which has uh, been frustrating. It's set me back. I haven't managed to play it all this year but uh, the flip side is it's given me an opportunity to get into other aspects of tennis. I've done some coaching, which I thoroughly enjoy, as well as some commentary for Tennis Channel. Um, so it's it's opened my eyes up to what eventually will have to happen. I, I can't play tennis forever. So it's in that sense, it's been an excellent opportunity to get some experience.
0: All right, great well it's and I, we're going to talk a little bit about your website as well and it's great that you're starting to get involved in different avenues of the sports and you're you're my favorite kind of tennis player because <laughs> you've i mean you've gone through all the hard work to develop yourself as a junior as a college player you know you've developed enough to where you've been able to be successful on the professional tour and you're you're starting to get to the point where you're thinking about what's next, and you're still being involved in tennis and and you're reaching out you know to to fans and to uh coaches you know like myself and it's just really good to see so i i really enjoy uh my time talking with you um and let's talk a little bit about your website which is tennis-update.com tell us a little bit about the site and what you're doing there
1: well, thanks for saying that, Ian. Um, yeah, I love tennis, and w- whatever it is—if it's playing, coaching, commentary—I want to stay involved in the sport that's given me so much. So, uh, it's—it's nice to, to try and give something back, and it's a passion of mine. I'm a huge tennis fan, so awesome. Uh, you know, I'd love to stay involved. Um, so, this year I've had a lot of spare time on my hands with with my injury. So, one of my little ventures has been to create a website that's, as you said, tennis. DashUpdate.com, and it's got a few different purposes, but the main concept is just kind of an inside look at the ATP World Tour. I travel a lot to tournaments, whether it's coaching, commentary, and these flip cams that have now come out are incredible. So I'm just getting a lot of video, blogging, interviews, just inside stuff that fans don't have access to, whether it's locker rooms, um, player lounges, player parties, and just things of that nature that you know, I see on a daily basis and I want to share with, with fans and, and give you guys some insight into what our lives are like, and just not just on the tennis court. So yeah, I'm having some fun with it. It's, it's great experience for me to, to practice doing some interviews and, um, you yeah, most of the players are, are very accessible which which helps and, um, yeah, check it out. It's, um, I think, I think you can have some fun with it. I got a great interview from the Bryan brothers right after they broke the record in LA and, um, yeah, like I said, uh the, the players are very open, they they love reaching out to the fans. So um have a look.
0: Yeah, I, I actually just went through and and checked out a bunch of your most recent videos that you've you've put up there and it's for, for people like myself who, who just love the sport and love to watch professional players. I, I hope you keep doing it and I hope it's successful because it is so much fun to get a, a behind the scenes look at what the, what the players are like when they're not on the courts and, and how they spend their time. You know, and ex- another example of a video that Ashley just put up was one in the, the training room at the Leg Mason in Washington, D.C. They, they had a, a rain out day earlier this week. And so Ashley's just you know chatting with some of the players in the hotel uh, workout room as they're you know staying active and trying to find something to do. And I think videos like that the the fans are really going to respond to well, and they're going to love to see the kind of personal side of the the tour like that. We don't get to see much of that, so I hope it continues to be successful. And and I hope all my listeners go check it out.
1: Well, thanks, Ian. And you're right; you hit the hammer on the head that. A lot of the guys have excellent personalities and that often doesn't come across on the tennis court. So no, yeah. It's it's an opportunity for the for the players to see that. Uh, the fans, sorry. Yeah. I, I I
0: hope it keeps doing well. So uh let's go ahead and move on to our, our main topic today and that is doubles. That's why I have you on and um, I'm actually announcing for the first time today on the podcast a doubles product a course that i have coming out i'm going to be releasing information about it this week and my listeners can go check that out at doublesdomination.com and it's it's all instructional having to do with tactics and strategy having to do with doubles for for the recreational player and the reason why i have ashley on today is he's one of the professional players that i interviewed he and i talked for a full hour discussing doubles tactics and partner relationships and things of that nature specifically for the recreational player and that interview is going to be a part of the the full download of doubles domination. Um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail today about about the product. Instead Ashley and I are going to have another discussion about doubles tactics and we're going to be Answering some questions from uh, members at the forums of EssentialTennis.com. So, Ashley, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and, and get going with our first uh, question here.
1: Sure. I like the sound of doubles domination. I'm, like that? I'm looking forward <laughs> yeah. to uh, to having a look at the product. I could certainly do some domination myself on tour. <laughs>
0: All right, let's get going with our first question. And it comes to us from Steve in North Carolina. He wrote and said, When do I move up or back when I'm around the service line? I know that I should close in with my partner. Uh, I'm sorry, close in when my partner hits and back up when the other team hits past me. How does this work? And this is a, actually a whole section of my products. And I refer to this as shading, moving up and back and also right and left with the ball. Ashley, can you talk about that a little bit and and tell my listeners how they should be moving on the courts?
1: Yeah, sure. You always want to move as a team. The Bryan brothers are an excellent example. Uh, If your partner shifts left, then then you shift with him or her. So uh, in that instance, you'd be cutting off the middle and your partner would have the sideline. You always want to take away the high percentage shots and give your opponent the angle. Uh, You can't cover the whole court. You have to give up certain parts of it. Um, You know, as for moving backwards, um, as a volley, you always want to be trying to have an aggressive stance and looking to move forward and get closer to the net. Uh, The closer you are, the more options you have with angles and so forth. So, you know, in most instances, just look to be aggressive and, and... and look to be voling on your toes not your heels
0: okay yeah as a, a coach of recreational players i'm definitely always trying to get players more comfortable getting closer to the net is something that a lot of club players don't like to do definitely at first um and, and that's definitely a big uh can be a big negative as a doubles player uh so that's moving forwards. So let's talk a little bit about backing up when when is it smart to back up? Because I think a lot of coaches and pros really preach, you know, get close to the net, close in, close in really hard. But a lot of times I think they leave out when it's smart to back up. So can you talk to us a little bit about when it is a good idea to actually not be super close to the net?
1: Well, are you talking about kind of retreating to the baseline?
0: after Um, You've already
1: made a move to the net? No, not necessarily moving
0: all the way back to the baseline, but not... As close, um, so let's say that um, you and I are playing a point, Ashley uh, you, you serve, and um, I close forwards to try to cut off the return, but the return makes it past me, and the returner has hit a great shot. Am I, do you think I should be staying close to the net at, to the net at that point?
1: Well, the problem with backing up is you open up the court for your opponent, you give them more angles it's a lot easier for them. To put a ball away, if you retreat and give up court, yeah, you, know, you know. Having said that, it also it depends on how fast you are with your reflexes and how comfortable you are. You know, do I want to be on top of the net if Fernando Gonzalez is lining up a him? Probably not. <laughs> but you know, having said that, that might be my best chance to win the point um, to reflex a ball. Whereas if I'm running backwards, then I'm just giving Gonzalez or whoever it is you know, that many more options and that big of a court to hit into. So, yeah, a lot of this stuff just comes down to your personal comfort levels and how quick your reflexes are. Um, you know, if 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 they're not quick, then get out there and work on them. There there are some drills that I'm sure, Ian, you'll go into in, in your doubles domination product to assist that. But, yeah, you don't see the pros back up too often in doubles, you know, You you won't see the Bryan brothers jumping back. They're always taking the most aggressive option.
0: Well, before we move on to our next question, I just want to mention that if you guys go to doublesdomination.com right now, you'll see uh, an instructional video from myself outlining how you guys should be moving with your partner and with the ball Uh, again, which is called Shading. And I actually give away that whole chapter of doubles domination for free. Um, So
1: definitely check that out.
0: Let's go ahead and move on. Sorry,
1: just just to build on that point, you almost want to imagine that that your partner and you are are connected with some rope. So when he moves, you're moving. You're you're always kind of moving as a tandem. Because if you don't do that, if your partner moves and you maintain your position, then there's a gaping hole in the middle of the court the easiest part of the court to, to hit into.
0: Yeah, that's a good visual uh, for, for my listeners to, to think about. Um, good stuff. All right, let's move on to our next topic. And this question comes to us from THM on the forums. He wrote and said, what are some things you consider when selecting a partner and what are some things you do in order to maintain a good partnership? And actually this is a topic that we talked about in our interview uh, for the product. Why don't you give us a, uh, a quick overview on how you what what you think recreational players should look for in a partner when they're trying to select somebody to play with.
1: Well, you want to look and find a partner that complements your game and your skill set, um, not necessarily replicated. Uh, mm-hmm. And by that, I'll give you some examples. Perhaps perhaps your serve is in the strongest part of your game. So if you can find a partner that's very comfortable around the net and he's good at poaching and cutting up balls, then that's going to help you hold serve. So you're looking for someone to really sort of aid your weaknesses and, and assist your strengths. If you're a good returner, then a, a partner that's again, is very good at being at the net and intercepting uh, volleys off your low return will, will help. Um, you know, So look for a partner that's going to help you with your game and, and complement and, and assist the areas that you're not as comfortable in. And then as far as, um, what was the second part? Just what uh, you want to do once you have a partner?
0: Yeah, basically. He said, what which, what, are some things you should do to maintain a
1: good partnership? Well, practice hard. Um, ideally, winning matches uh, is, is going go to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go a long way to uh, you know building team unity. Um, but yeah, just just practice together and even just put pen to paper every week or two. Just sit down and say, you know what, Joe, what's been working well for you? What, what do you think I need to improve on? Because sometimes as a player, you don't see it quite as objectively when it's coming off your racket. And, and, and don't be sensitive about it. Look, we're all, I, I've, I've been 19 in the world and I still have plenty of areas in my game that need work daily. So I, I want someone to tell me what I have to do to get better. So you know, have that attitude. Just be honest with each other, and then go out there and work on it together as a team.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's really key, and something that a lot of players can work on. Kind of having more of a, I guess, a humble attitude about it, and not taking it. Personally, and and also having the the openness to have the, to sit down and have that open you know conversation uh, w- with the partner and be able to outline outline things to work on. Um, yeah, I think those are huge keys.
1: Um, yeah, well, every, yeah. every Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer has got a new coach this week, Paul Anikow. So he's a guy that's the tennis. He's got every shot in the book but he still feels that, that right. some outside resources can help him. So, look, we've all got things to work on, so just to have some thick skin, and the the idea is to constantly get better and to address areas that need improvement.
0: Before we get to our next doubles-related topic, I want to tell my listeners about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is com. You guys can go there to check out Professional tennis event tickets and travel packages. Pretty much, no matter where you want to go to watch an ATP or WTA event, they're going to have something available for you, whether it's individual tickets for just individual days or sessions, or full packages that include travel and uh, accommodation. They've got really the whole wide range of, of products available. So go check them out, especially since the U.S. Open is coming up and I thank them very much for their support of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Remember to use the promotional code ESSENTIAL when you check out, and you'll receive a discount off your purchase of over $175. All right, let's move on to our next question, and it comes to us from John in Texas. He wrote and said, when returning serve and doubles, what are the considerations in returning serve cross court versus down the line? What about the lob return? So John lays out kind of three main uh, options for returning serve. Uh, what kind of different things are you looking at, Ashley, when you're playing or when you're coaching the, the doubles team that you're working with now? Um, when should players be looking to use each of those three options?
1: Well, you need to pay attention to what your opponent's doing, Uh, more specifically the net man. If he's moving a lot and cutting off balls in the middle and poaching, you're going to need to go down his line. Um, Also, if he's not a comfortable volleyer, and his partner is, then you want to go at him. You want to test him out and make him hit volleys. Um, uh, As far as the lob, it's a... It's a very good shot. Um, again, if you're playing an aggressive opponent that likes to move in the middle or get very close to the net, the lob is extremely effective. It, it, can, it will take your opponent off the net and always follow it forward. If you get the ball over your opponent, then you run in and take control of the net. Um, yeah, as far as also going down the line, if, if your partner's getting you with a body serve, it's hard to generate an angle cross-court, then that's often not a bad ball to, to, uh, to take straight down the line. Um, but yeah, again, you just, just be aware of, of what's happening with your opponent at the net and what sort of serves you're getting as well. If, if you're taking out very wide on the forehand court, then the line is often an excellent option because there's so much court there for you to hit back into.
0: I, I think the the best thing that you said there, Ashley, was, well, the first thing that you said was, well, it depends on what your opponents are doing, and you have to pay close attention to that. And I, I think that's so important and something that recreational players a lot of times pass up. And it almost seems like it's too obvious of a thing uh, to be able to, to, to watch them and then base your tactics uh, according to, to what they're doing to try to beat you. Uh, but I know that's something that you and I talked about in detail in our conversation uh, for Devil's Domination. And uh, do you have anything else to add to that as, as far as being able to adjust to your opponents and making sound tactical decisions?
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And You want to have a game plan, but you also have to have the ability to assess whether it's working. And if it's not, then make an adjustment. I mean, every sport... In the world, these pro sports coaches, you know, they'll go out there telling them team what to do, but they're they're constantly making adjustments, um, whether it's defensive, offensive. You, you just have to be your own coach out there in tennis because we don't have access to on court coaching, and especially in doubles, you have the opportunity to, to ask your partner during a changeover. Just you've got ninety seconds. Say, hey, what what's going on out here? Is this is this strategy of serving? So, is forehand working, or is you know maybe he's getting a little grooved on it? I can see he's moving that way. Now we need to serve to his backhand.
0: All right, great stuff. Uh, next question up here, I think is going to be fun to ask you. And I actually haven't asked you this before. Have Have you ever played the the Bryan brothers personally?
1: I have. I I beat them last year in the semifinals of the Sony Ericsson Open in Miami boy but um the blinds have, have got me on on a few occasions prior to that all right, so
0: this will be a great question for you. Gary in Pennsylvania wrote and said, the Bryan Brother twins just won 62 overall doubles titles, a history-setting record, uh, of course, which you uh, you mentioned already, Ashley. Um, his question is, what makes them so good, in your opinion? Are there two or three things that stand out in their play that, for example, your typical club or recreational player or even weekend warrior can learn from and benefit from? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, there are. Um, firstly, the Bryan brothers play with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. Okay, uh, they love the game, but you know they're they're constantly bouncing around, and and that helps. You, being flat in tennis is um, something that will work to your detriment. You always want to be bouncing around; it's going to improve your footwork. So that's one thing they do better than anybody on a daily basis. They bring so much energy. Uh, to the court, which is why crowds, amongst other reasons, enjoy watching them. Um, they complement each other's game incredibly well. For for two guys that are identical twins, they don't play identical. Uh, it's actually the contrary. Bob Bob has a huge lefty serve. Mike has a good serve, uh, not not nearly as big. And then Mike is one of the best returners in the world. Just takes the ball so early. And Bob, again, not, not as comfortable, especially off the backhand side. But Bob is very good around the net with that lefty forehand poach. Bob plays the deuce court. So when Mike Bryan gets balls down, which he does all day, Bob has that forehand volley in the middle of the court. Um, so that's building on the point that we mentioned earlier is, is finding a doubles partner that, that complements uh, your strengths. And, and the Bryan brothers do that. And then f- they move together as well as any team I've ever seen. They just—I don't know if it's because they—they were united in the womb thirty-two years ago. <laughs> uh, they have like that twin telepathy going, where they—they they say they don't even need to talk to each other. Just they just—they know what's what the other guy's going to do, um, and it, it shows. They're just always moving together. They never seem like they're caught out of position, uh, and they're—they're they're a very aggressive team. Now you can do this at home regardless of your level of play you can put yourself in aggressive positions take the middle of the court don't be afraid to poach and the brians do that better than anyone
0: Man that's like that's like a whole uh doubles product right there the uh yeah the two minute explanation that you just gave um, and as this is my favorite part of interviewing you and the other professional players that I talked to in preparing for for the doubles domination course is that all of you guys were able to so well articulate specific things like that that obviously you know professional players do better than anybody else in the world but recreational players can absolutely take those things and apply them to their own game. And you gave four examples there. Uh, the positive energy on the court. Uh, absolutely everybody listening to this show can do that Like right now. Um, they complement each other's games. You guys can find partners that do that. They move together well. You guys can learn how to do that. And they're very aggressive. So it, it's really cool to hear, it. and especially from somebody, again, like you, a, a professional player who has experienced this on the world stage, it's great to hear that we can apply those same elements to our own games, So no matter what level we are. I, I just think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ian. And also, have a short memory. Don't be ah. concerned with being beaten up the line or, or missing a, a return. Just just put it behind you and move on to the next point. The Bryans, they don't give anything away. You walk by and watch a match, and you would just assume they're winning just based on their body language.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, I actually saw them play at the Leg Mason. Um, I saw the match that they lost. Um, that was on, I think, Friday. It was on Friday. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it, it made absolutely no difference whether they won or lost each point. They reacted exactly the same way. And that's something that most recreational players are terrible at. <laughs> You know, yeah. th- they'll physically look, you know, dejected. And it's very easy to tell who's winning or
1: losing a match very often based on
0: body language.
1: Yeah, they win and lose as a team. And it, if, you, if you're if you going to get upset about a match, that's fine. But do it when the match is finished. Go into the locker room and, <laughs> and then smash your racket or, or <laughs> swear. You know, you don't want to let your opponents see that they're getting to you.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's go to another question. We have time for maybe one or two more here. Um, here's an interesting one from J.R. Stryker on the forums. He wrote and said, What's the best way to decide who plays on which side, especially if both you and your partner usually prefer the same side? What do you think?
1: Well, uh, one way to do it is if you play two back, which... Some people do. I, I, I like to do that off first serves when I'm returning. Um, then most of the balls are going to go to the middle of the court. So if I have a better backhand, then you know I I might be confusing myself here. Um, yeah, I, I want to be playing the juice court if I have a better backhand because the majority of the volleys are going to come to my backhand and then it, hopefully my partner has a better forehand um again he's on the ad side, so mm-hmm. you know, the the middle ball we middle of the core we're both hitting our favorite shot. Um okay. it's the same it's the same with a volley. If I have a better back end volley poaching, then I want to be on the Deuce court. Um but
0: uh and this is assuming that that both players are right handed, obviously.
1: Yeah, right. Um yeah, I mean if you're a lefty righty then yeah, it's it's a good idea to do it the way the Bryans do um, because they both have their forehands in the middle of the court from the back and when they're poaching. and You, you typically are going to have a lot more better reach with a forehand ball. You can stretch mm-hmm. out to that better than a backhand.
0: Okay. And what about uh, his second question was, what if... You know, maybe I'm, I'm a recreational player and I'm I'm just getting put with somebody randomly for for today's match. What if we both happen to like the same side? Typically, is there some quick and easy way to to figure out who should go where, or um, is it not well, that easy?
1: Well, yeah, and that happens on tour as well. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you you kind of get a last minute uh, team together just just because that's the only person you can get into an event with, mm-hmm. and you both play the same side. So, someone has to suck it up. Um, typically the better returner should be on the ad side. They're the bigger points, the, the love 15, 15, 30, 30, 40. So if you both prefer that side, then it, you know, go with whoever's the better returner. Um, okay. And, you know, you can change during a match. Uh, you know, play one set, and if it's not working out, then have that versatility where you can flip, switch sides. E- even top teams on the ATP World Tour will do that.
0: Okay. And our last question we're going to go to comes to us from Charles in California. He wrote in and said, and I'm actually curious, um, what your answer will be on this, Ashley. Uh, he wrote and said, what is the best way to position, to position yourselves when you are both at the nets, particularly regards to covering lobs? So maybe against a team that lobs a lot. Um, and he said, should one player be a little further back than the other to cover the potential lob? I'm under the impression that the cross court player from the person getting ready to lob, should be a little further back, he says. So should players be staggered against a team that lobs a lot?
1: Yeah, you have it right, Charles. That's the way we're taught. Um, Typically, an opponent that lobs will, the vast majority of the time, go cross-court. So, yeah, you're going to have a staggered formation, just like you you mentioned, um, with the cross-court guy kind of looking for that lob and his opponent close to the net in a much more aggressive position um you know, l- looking to to close off the net
0: Ashley, do you do you play on tour teams that are kind of known for lobbing more than others and, and and recreational doubles the lob is unfortunately probably one of the most feared uh shots because a lot of players don't like their overhead a whole lot um, at at the ATP level, are there players or teams that are kind of known for having good lobs, or is it just not a shot that is ever effective?
1: Yeah, it certainly is effective. It's underutilized. Um, really? Uh, particularly off the return, there's not many guys. Leander Paes has an excellent chip lob, uh, but it's doubles has has moved towards more just a a blasting kind of power. Uh, strategy, technique rather than you know, the old traditional double skills of dinking and using feel and touch aren't quite as predominant. It's, it's now players that you know, serve huge, return big. Um, but there's still a room, plenty of room for, for the lob, um, particularly against aggressive teams that like to close. It, it, it will work well against the Bryan brothers because they are so aggressive. It's just the problem is when Bob Bryan serves at 140 miles an hour, it's not quite as easy to, to chip one over his head. But if you can <laughs> hit it, it will be successful. Um, typically, if you force a player back, if you hit a deep folly forcing him back, that's when a lot of your opponents will go to a topspin lob, kind of fading off their back foot. So that's that's something to look for. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a great shot. I mean, you want to hold your opponent accountable to all angles and and everything on the court. And even if the lob is unsuccessful, it still sends a message to your opponent that you have that shot in the bag and that maybe he can't crash the net quite as much.
0: Sure. I I find it really interesting that you would make that comment that, that the lob isn't used enough at the professional level these days. Do you think that maybe there will be uh, eventually a swing back towards maybe more of a finesse touch, you know, uh, angle, volley and wild kind of game uh, at the professional level.
1: I don't, it's moving the other way, technology and, and just games become so much more physical. I'm constantly amazed Hmm. at seeing a a 17 year old kid just serving huge and and ripping forehands. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone to, to big serving, big returning, um, I mean, you know, the guys are still very good volleys, but it's if you look at the, the Woodies and compare them to the Bryans, they had completely different styles of play. The Woodies, you know, did not have big serves at all, um, but they had so much variety and so much feel and touch. Whereas, you know, the Bryans have a lot of skills, but it's they're different skills. It's, they serve huge, return big get close to the net. Um, yeah, they still volley very well, but uh, you can't compare the volleys of, of Mike and Bob to a Todd Woodbridge.
0: Hmm. All right, interesting stuff. Well, Ashley, we're going to go ahead and start to wrap things up. And as we do, I want to encourage my listeners to go check out doublesdomination.com. Again, I'm, I'm giving away a whole chapter Of that product this week uh, on shading, I'll be giving away other parts of it as well just to give you guys a sample of what's in there and and how useful and helpful the information is. And again, uh, featured in that package is going to be a full hour-long conversation with Ashley all about tactics and strategy and the the whole time keeping in mind the recreational players. So it's a great conversation. And Ashley, I want to thank you very much for your time not only in our conversation in Doubles Domination, but today on the podcast as well. It's been great speaking with you, and I know that my my listeners are really going to enjoy this conversation.
1: Thanks, Ian. I'm excited to see the Doubles Domination product. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, lastly, everybody, make sure that you go check out tennis-update.com. That's Ashley's website, and he's always updating it with, with new videos from the tour. Um, any, uh, any plans on, uh, I, I see that you have a, a member forum there, Ashley. Uh, obviously the, the videos are, are probably the, in my opinion, the, the, the coolest part of the site so far. Any other plans for the site coming up?
1: Uh, well, there's an instructional blog section, which I need to add to but I'll be getting some fellow players and friends of mine just to give little one minute kind of videos on how they think, um, to hit shots at the moment Justin Gilmstob has some tips on forehand volley cool so, yeah that's a big part of it and uh, yeah there's a there's a forum where you can chat with other tennis players in your area or, or anywhere in the world awesome
0: alright so go check it out guys and uh, Ashley again thank you very much for your time I really appreciate it thanks Hank. all right That does it for episode number 130 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today, and I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Ashley. Go check out doublesdomination.com. It's up right now, and I'm giving away a full section of the product today. Uh, I'm actually recording this Sunday night. It's going to be opened up on Monday. I'm going to be giving away another section of the product on Wednesday and by the end of the week you guys will get really a full picture of of what doubles domination really is all about and then you guys will have a short opportunity to be able to get in and purchase it and improve your doubles game I really I really believe in this product honestly I mean I've put a lot of time and effort into it I I really stand behind my instruction and the content that I put out there and this is no exception so I really urge you guys go check it out. Again, that's at doublesdomination.com. All right, that does it this week. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Take care and good luck with
1: your tennis.